Hey there, travelers. I'm Joshua. And I'm Coley. And we're the hosts of the Traveling Families podcast. We're a traveling family exploring the country as full-time RVers with our twin sons and dog on an indefinite road trip. The Traveling Families podcast is an interview show where we talk with other parents about their opinions, perspectives, and experiences in many of the areas that make up a traveling lifestyle. So pour a drink and join us as we dive into the details of one family's journey. All right, Alex and Ashley, welcome to the Traveling Families podcast. I'm excited to have you guys on. Give us a little introduction. Who are Alex and Ashley and, and what are you guys doing? I'm Ashley and... I'm Alex. And we live full-time in our converted Greyhound bus, so... We've yeah. been doing Tra- it for just under three years now. Nice. Awesome. And who's traveling with you? Oh, yeah. So yeah. we have... <laughs> obviously, you want to know the whole family. So <laughs> we have two children. So our son, Declan, he is nine. He just turned nine a couple days ago. And then our daughter, Hadley, she is five. And then we also we also travel with two animals now. So we have a whole pack, a whole herd, would you say, in driving through the bus with us. Nice. So what year is your bus? It is a 95. So the, whole, the bus itself is a 95. It's an MCI. And then the like letters and numbers is a 102DL3. So it essentially just means that it's 45 feet long and eight and a half feet wide. And so how did you guys decide... Well, let's see. First of all, how did you decide to get on the road that traveling in a a vehicle was going to be a good adventure for your family? So it actually, we were already homeschooling our kids and I was looking for homeschooling tips and stuff on Instagram and came across something called road schooling, which I thought was amazing. I didn't even realize that people did that or that it was even a possibility. And I was like, so in, I was trying. And so I, came to Alex and I was like, let's do this. And he was like, no. <laughs> so at the time when she brought it up to me, I was working a, I was working a full-time corporate job. Right. And so I had to be at the physical location and she wanted to do like the whole life on the road. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how a way feasible that we could even do this. And I, at the time I thought you had to be rich in order to do this. You had to be retired. You had to be rich. You had to be in other, some, some other market where you can make a lot of money without having to be somewhere. And I had spent 10 years in the automotive industry at this point and was just, this is, this is how we have to work it. So he ended up getting laid off from his job. And then I was like, hey, now you don't have this job here. Maybe we can revisit this. And- <laughs> so, so me, I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, let's, I was like, let's do that. I was like, so I was like, if you can find somebody to rent out the house. And I gave her an, an absorbent number, like a, a number that I didn't think anybody would be willing to rent our house for. And not because I didn't think the value of the house was there, but just because like I knew the market roughly around our area and what people were renting for. And I didn't, I didn't know if they would hit it. And literally within 24 hours, she was like, I have somebody interested. I was like, no way. dude!" <laughs> and so sure enough, they come out, they check it out. They're like, we love it. We want it. And I was like, well, I was like, now I got to bite my own tongue. Now we got to do this whole thing. Cause I told her <laughs> if she found somebody, be able to rent out our house for this, you know what I mean? Then we'd have to do it. And now I'm just like, just eating every word of it. And so now we're looking for a rig and we're doing all these things. And she's super happy. And I was like, I can't believe somebody wanted to rent a house for that. I think it was meant to be. Yeah. It was. That's an awesome start story. (laughs) So then how did you decide on converting a a Greyhound bus versus a traditional RV or even a schoolie? So we started originally with a 30 foot travel trailer and we, we bought a like, pretty much like a, a pretty used beat up one. We bought it for 6,000 and we put less than 2,000 into it. And then we lived in that full time for almost two years. 
And then we wanted to upgrade. So you're doing it for a while. We had made other life decisions and things like that. We were like, all right, this is us forever. What are we going to do? Well, Ashley found this bus pretty much converted out in Jersey for a really a steal of a price. So we wanted to do the whole build. My I have history in carpentry, electrical, all the things. So like I can I can fully build out one of these buses, but we would need time and we would need a place to do it because at this point we didn't have a house, right? We had sold our house, so we didn't have any, any anything that we, where we could take this to. And she found this bus and the whole inside was done. All we need to do was go out and get it. And we were in Utah at the time. So it actually ended up being me and Declan and we flew out from Utah to Jersey to pick this thing up. And we ended up driving this thing from Jersey back to Michigan because it ended up needing work. So like I was able to drive it away from Jersey, which was a, a ordeal in itself. So like driving through Jersey, not fun, not fun with a 45 foot bus or dealing with toll roads or small roads or anything <laughs> like that. So that, that was a hassle in itself. But we get this thing back to Michigan and we're like, all right, we're going to do all we're, we're going to do the whole swap here. So then Declan and I fly back out to Utah pack Ashley and Hadley up in the, the, our travel trailer and we hightail it back to Michigan. So, I mean, we must have spent a good four or five days and I, I got hardly any sleep. It was flying here, flying there, driving here, driving there. And then, yeah, and then we, we took everything out from the travel trailer, filled the bus up, started working on the bus from there. And then as soon as we could, we hit the road. And honestly, like it's the best decision, decision we've ever made. This bus has been awesome although any any hassles or any other ordeals that we have or stress or things like that they do suck but honestly it's it's fantastic not having slides being able to drive this thing through the mountain grades with no problems i couldn't ask for a better rig. so at this point how long have you guys been on the road so november will be october or november will be three years we've had the bus since may of last year Awesome. And then how long do you guys intend to travel or do you have a forever forever end goal? No, we don't for, have a forever. End. Yeah. So if we do, if we buy, like we, we thought about buying land places and things like that. And that would purely be able to just know that we could have some place that we would park the bus. But I mean, I don't know, like I, I love traveling. Ashley mm-hmm. loves traveling. The kids love traveling, you know, and there's still, I mean, we've been doing it for almost three years and I counted it a couple of days ago and we've only seen 18 States. So, I mean, we've barely touched the surface of what's out there. So we, we try not to make it as like where we need to see everything in the first year. We know we love this life. We know we don't ever plan on stopping. So we like to casually drive around and really explore all the areas. We like to just, anytime somebody says, Oh, check this place out, check this place out. Like we, we make a note of it and like, eventually we're going to go see this, you know, even if we can't for whatever reason this year or whatever our plans are, we always plan to be able to come back to it and be able to see really everything. As long as we can, as long as this is still a possibility, we will be doing it. So Alex, you mentioned that your mindset around people who travel is that you had to be rich to do it. How have you guys therefore then funded traveling? Have you proved that, disproved that? And then what are the ways that you guys are bringing in income to be able to continue having a traveling lifestyle? Yeah. So we have done a lot of different things. So when we initially started out, we we, I got a large severance check from my employer for because I'd been there almost 10 years. So with that, we were able to pay off debts, be able to buy, buy our rig. We already had our truck. So we just had to find something that we could tow with our truck. And then we were like, All right, we have enough to be able to make it at least a year. So we were like, well, we'll see what happens. But at the same time, we didn't want to just deplete savings. So we started out and I would DoorDash and Ashley cut hair. Yeah. So I would be out for like four to six hours roughly every day. And I'd make about about 100 to 200 bucks a day, which isn't a lot. But I mean, at that point, like our rig was paid for. We we utilized the, the thousand trails system 
for our initial year with our uh, travel trailer, which was huge because we could go campground to campground and we didn't have anything more than what the elite membership costed for us. And then if you want to talk about. Well, I was a licensed cosmetologist. I worked in a salon before we hit the road. So I just kind of like took that with me on the road to do that. So, And business was a booming for her. She <laughs> like, I mean, I, there'd be days that I wouldn't even see her. She'd, she'd have somebody booked up all day, multiple people, and you'd go to a campground. And I mean, you'd, you'd sit at a campground and how great would it be to have somebody that could, you know, do anything that you needed to. She had all the skills and supplies and everything needed to be able to do everything a full a full salon would do. And we could do it a couple campsites away from you. Tell me a little bit more about how that worked that first year with the travel trailer. Did you have a, a, a tent set up outside? How did you get the word out when you pulled into a new place? Okay, so full-time families has like the, there's like group chats for each thousand trails. So in Florida, if I was at like a big thousand trails, I would just like post in the group chat like, hey, I'm here. I'm a licensed cosmetologist. I'm doing hair. And people would just message me and I would set stuff up with them. And Alex actually, he's MacGyver. He can fix or make anything work. And he actually put like a little like hose attachment on our sink. And so I had a little wash bowl and it was like, it was a whole vibe, I think. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was cool. So like when she would, when she would work, we would like me and the kids, we would just make sure we weren't in the house. So, I mean, in Florida in winter, it's 70 degrees out. It's sunny all the time. You might get a little bit of rain here and there, but also there's a ton of other families. So, like, the kids would go out. they play with other kids. I'd mingle with other parents. You know, Ashley would do her thing. And then that's how we kind of managed our first year. Our going into our second year, we did – I did a seasonal work job through – in Michigan, there was this Michigan Sugar Company, and they hired temporary employees for the season for, like, roughly three months or so. And you would go and do, they, they would supply you a site. You would work. I think I worked like 12 hours a day and we would make overtime and things like that. But that three month stint was enough money that we could, in, that we could make that we could take the other nine months off. And so that was, that was our plan from there because I mean, wow. living this life and doing the thousand trail system and things like that, like our, our bills were very, very low. So like my original thought process is that you needed to be rich to do this. I was way off. Now you can do it. I feel like you can do it where it's very expensive, but I mean, we didn't, we wanted to, we wanted to really explore all the things and get as much value out of life as we possibly could. And then, and now going into the third year, right? Here's another way we, I found a, I applied out for remote jobs a lot for several months and I got this job back in May. I think I got it. A fully remote job working as a remote mortgage banker. And so the, the company funded all of the training, all of the licensing, all the things like that, all, and they gave me all of the equipment. I got the computer, monitors, all the things that I needed to, to be able to work from home and everything was supplied by the company. And so they sent that out here. We created an office setup in our master bedroom and we do that now. So I work, I work five, five days a week, sometimes six, depending on that week. But I work remotely as long as we can have internet, I can work and we do all of our things. And now that that's how we keep it going. That's just awesome. I just love this like attitude of doesn't matter, we're going to make it happen and just taking it on each year and it's morphing as you guys continue. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. I feel like in this life, you just have to be super flexible and you have to be ever changing because everything's always changing around you, you know? Absolutely. How have you guys he- tackled healthcare? 
So my uh, my employment, we I get full benefits through there. So as long as anywhere we go is in network, which is for the most part, mostly everywhere, right? So our healthcare is provided through Blue Cross Blue Shield. And so as long as we're in region, we can just move, go to the doctors if we need to, things like that. Same with the dentist, right? So as long as we're in network, we can go get things checked out. And we just kind of like, we plan in whatever area that we're at and be able to do anything that we need to from a medical standpoint, dental standpoint, all those things. And we just kind of like look in wherever the areas that we're at. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a huge benefit of being able to to have that network capability and be able to get in when and where you need to. Right. Part of what we also are doing for a living now is we've been monetizing our social media, which I feel like has been like a, a big source of income recently along with his like mortgage banking. Yeah, for sure. Our social media has really taken off this these past five to six weeks. Something like to, to an extent that we never really thought it would, which is so that it's all new ventures that we're exploring from here on out. So like you could ask us the same question in a couple months and we could be just relying on social media. That'd be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah. Was social media something that you guys started with the intention of growing it into a business? And or what have you done since you have figured out that, hey, this could be a business. Let's tweak some things that we were kind of doing to make it more effective. Actually, no, we didn't really go into it wanting it to be a business or thinking that it ever would. I'm just like a creative person. Like I said, I'm a hairdresser and I needed like an artistic outlet, but also to document these memories in our life and also to meet other families. So it was like more important to me for that. But like recently, it's kind of morphed into more of a business, I would say. It's awesome when you can mix something that you're doing for yourself and it just happens to become this income stream that this furthers, you know, along the, the travel, the lifestyle, what you're able to do with your family, all of it. For sure. And so what are your preferred platforms and what are your handles? Preferred? I, I don't know. Okay, so if I'm going to talk about the one that I find most fun, I would say TikTok. I think it's so fun to just make the different videos and everything and to watch the videos. So that would be my favorite. And our handle is The Wanderlusters on TikTok and Facebook. And on Instagram, we are We Are The Wanderlusters. Very cool. How'd you guys come up with that name? Because I feel like it was my wanderlust that made us want to start doing this. I love to travel. I would just be like going from one vacation to the next, like planning our next vacation as we're coming home from our last one. So I feel like it fits with our personality. We both really love travel. So yeah. Yeah. Being able to see new areas and like the thrill of it, I feel like it, it fits well for our handle because I mean, that's why we, that's why we travel. That's why we travel to as many places as we do and try and experience the whole area because we really want to get the feel for wherever our, wherever we're located at at the time. You know, we want to experience all local culture. We want to experience all nature that's around in those areas. So we really take the most of our time wherever we travel. It sounds like most of your travel thus far has been vehicle-based. Is your wanderlust going to ever take you on out on the water or overseas? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> we were... for sure. I, want, I want to do boat life. <laughs> at least for a little bit, right? Because Gosh. I feel like that would be great, but I I feel like I would kill Ashley if that happened. Because... I get so seasick. Like, that would be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it would be cool because, like, being on the open water, I, I'm a beach person. I love being in the water. I love going underwater. I love just chilling in the, in the sun. 
on the sand. That's awesome. So I figured boat life, why not Why not give that a shot? So maybe she warmed me up to the idea of living on the road. Oh, so I'm going to oh. use a couple of years. I'm going to warm her up to living on the sea. So we'll see how that goes. To give those copper bracelets a try or whatever it is for anti-nausea and motion sickness. For sure. Definitely. And I would love to do international travel, like just pack everything in a suitcase, go overseas and see Europe and everything. I think that would be amazing. That would, that would be, that would be like, that's goals. That's ne- that's next goals. Right. So like for once we've conquered the States, even if we haven't conquered the States, once we can make Europe happen and all those other places, we'll give that a shot. We'll do, we'll do a little vacation from bus life in the States and go out to Europe and then we'll come back for a couple of years. You know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Nice. Fantastic. Well, with all this wandering, how are you guys handling your spiritual connections? We actually have a home church that we went to before we launched and they do all their services online. So that's super convenient because it's funny because like we can still feel like we're there. Like Alex's parents go there. So we'll hear them in the audience and everything. And it's it's just a little piece of home. Yeah. It's a very engaged church. So like as the pastor is speaking and things like that, he likes to get feedback from the, the group. And my, my dad is a very vocal person. And so the mics, they're very concentrated on the pastor and all the things that are going on. But you can for sure hear my dad in the faintest way. And I'd be like, oh, he's there. He's, he's all, amen. And I'm like, oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You can call him out and say, hey, how come you guys weren't at church this week? Uh-huh. <laughs> we didn't hear you on the on the broadcast. Yep. yep. Very cool. Yeah, it's... It, one of the silver linings of coming out of the pandemic is a lot of businesses and communities have figured out ways to take things digitally. And that just more greases the wheels for being nomadic and traveling around while still having connections back to that community. So that's really cool that you guys get to still participate in that, that church and that family community while not necessarily being tied to that geographic location. Absolutely. So Ashley, you had mentioned road schooling. What does homeschooling and road schooling look like for you guys? For us, it's our son is nine, so he does all online homeschool. We use Monarch by Alpha Omega, and we love that because it's it doesn't require a bunch of books or anything. It's all online, and we have to have an internet connection anyway wherever we are for my husband's work. So he will just go on there and do it all online, and it's super simple for him. He loves it because he feels like he's getting extra screen time, so he doesn't complain about doing it ever. And also we like to learn a lot through like hands-on going to national parks. We'll go on like nature walks and I have this app on my phone that I'll use on like hikes and stuff to identify different plants and animals and we'll learn all about it and turn it into a lesson. So that's really cool. That's a great way of learning about different geographical locations. I always like to center a lesson around wherever we happen to be. Our daughter is five. So a lot of that is just her learning her letters and just basic like preschool stuff. So we don't have a structured curriculum for her yet, but yeah, that's pretty much how we've been doing it. That's awesome. I love being able to take advantage of what is around us because that's how we all learn. And I feel like that's some of that learning or that education that is lacking if you're just always in one little town and your idea of travel is going, you know, the 30 minutes to grandma's house down the road. <laughs> um, For sure. Absolutely. I feel like they learn so much more when they're immersed in it too. And then you can, you can grasp whatever you're learning at that same time, because like you can physically see it. So reading it in, the, in a book or seeing the picture and things like that is one thing, but 
being able to handle, you know, like whatever you're looking at, whether or not you're looking at stuff in the forest, plants, bugs. I mean, like our kids love picking up random bugs and checking out what they are and like want to know if it's poisonous or not, or want to know if it's going to bite you and things like that. And zero fear goes into it until after the fact. So actually you mentioned having to need internet because of jobs and then also for the school for your son. How are you guys tackling that? Because I know a lot of people have trouble getting reliable internet on the road. Yeah. So we, when we, it's a long story, but when we originally bought our house, we, uh, we couldn't get regular internet there. And I'm a, I'm a big gamer, so I liked playing games online and things like that. Well, I found out that through AT&T, our cell service, they had a, like a dedicated hotspot router. So it would, it would have its own dedicated number. It would broadcast Wi-Fi just like anything else, but it would use AT&T cellular network. And my original thought process there was, I, I'd asked, I was like, well, what about, what about data throttle? Because it's through cell. Is there going to be a cap at all? And the original person that I talked to was like, no, I have it. We've, we've done a couple hundred gigs with no throttling. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Well, while we were at the house, we were pushing 800 gigs to a terabyte a month with no throttling. So when we left the house, we just took that same router with us because as long as we have cell service, as long as we have AT&T cell service, that router will work for us. Granted, the speeds may not be the greatest at some times. Like sometimes we can only pull down three to four megabits per second. As long as latency is okay for us, we're fine. But like where we're at now, I can pull probably about 55 to 60 megabits per second. And for a cellular service, I mean, like, that's fantastic. We we don't need really, thing, really anything more than that. I only need a couple megs for work and definitely needs a couple megs in order to be able to do school. So as long as we can get a little bit of service, we're okay. We do a lot of research before we go somewhere just to make sure because at this point, it's our only internet service. So we need to make sure that it works for us. We are looking into other options too, and especially with Starlink getting as big as it, as big as it is, that's a route that we're looking to go forward in the future. We've had some friends of ours that I've had Starlink, that it's worked really well for them. And friends that I've actually utilized, like when we went to Lake Tahoe recently, AT&T cell service, non-existent. But Starlink, we were pulling more than 120 megs down and I was able to work no problem with that. So I think Starlink will be in our near future. Awesome. You mentioned researching before you go somewhere. What apps or websites do you use to figure out whether you're going to have signal or not? Yeah, so we use Campendium and Free Roam. So both Campendium and Free Roam have review functions built into them for specific areas, and they'll each answer questions differently. So like Campendium will will give us a good review of whether or not a big rig can fit. It gives us more whether or not the cell service is available, whereas like Free Roam will kind of give us a, a little bit more detailed breakdown of cleanliness, how the sound is, if it's close to road, if there's a lot of noise, other things like that. So we like to kind of ping both those back and forth. And also Free Roam has this TNT overlay built into the app. They actually like Free Roam is a fantastic app that we've been using for several years now because you can see you can see BLM land, you can see Forest Land, you can see AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon. They all have map overlays to be able to give you a, a good idea of roughly what's there. Now it's not always a hundred percent accurate, but I mean if we pull it up and it, that spot doesn't have a, any AT&T service. We don't even try and go because like maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but like we need we need to utilize it. And luckily enough, most places, even out in the middle of nowhere, like we've been in places where there's not civilization for 30 minutes from a drive standpoint, like there's no stores or anything, but I have fantastic AT&T cell service. So it's all over the place. We haven't had really too many issues regarding that. 
my next question is about RV insurance. And I'm really curious to hear your answer being that you've had travel trailer and now a converted Greyhound. So maybe there's two parts of an answer for your answer to this question, but what did, what have you guys used and currently using for full-time RV insurance? So we use progressive progressive had a pretty good deal for our travel trailer when we initially got it. And it wasn't covered as much as we have the bus for now insurance for a bus is especially a converted bus is very very difficult to achieve but progressive was able to actually work with us because we had policy with them before Mm -hmm. um and we were able to get all the contents of our stuff covered now we only run with one insurance policy with it and that's all covered under that same umbrella for us we had heard some people do like renters insurance on top of it and things like that or another like supplemental insurance we only run with just a single one for now and we get a, a discount because i think we've been with progressive for shoot, I want to say 12 years now, 11 years. So we've, we've been with them for a very long time. So it kind of helped being built into it to be able to get our new policy. Awesome. Have you ever had to use it for anything, even roadside assistance? We had roadside assistance one time on our travel trailer. When we were starting out, we would drive, Ashley and I would drive separate because we had two vehicles when we initially launched because we had two vehicles when we lived in our home. And the, the second vehicle that we had was a lease and we only had roughly a year left and she was driving behind me and the tire blew on the travel trailer. And I, honestly, I didn't even know it happened. She called me and was like, you got to pull over now. The tire blew. And I it literally felt like I maybe hit like a small rock. I couldn't even tell while I was pulling, pulling the, the travel trailer. And they came out like they couldn't really make it work for us. Like the, uh, the tow guy that came out to try and replace the the tire to get it lifted up. He ended up actually getting stuck in the side of the road in the ditch trying to lift our rig. But that was, oh no, yeah, yeah, that was was a good time. I I asked him too. I was like, do you want me to unhook the uh, the truck? I was like, I can unhook because at this point it was it was getting dark. I was like, I can unhook the truck, and I was like, and I can pull you out, you know, if you need to. And he's like, oh no, no, I I think I'll be able to get it. And I mean, he struggled for probably a good forty five minutes to an hour, but he, he finally got out. But that was the only time so far that we've ever had to utilize our insurance. Yeah, knock, knock on wood, knock on wood. <laughs> wow, that's a story. You called the tow truck to come out and help you change a tire, and it, you almost have to go rescue the tow truck. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, but l- lucked out for us there because that tire blew. It damaged the other tire right next to it because, I mean, it, it was like the, the Chinese, what do they call it? The, the tire t- bombs. Yeah, the Chinese tire bombs. <laughs> and so it messed up that tire directly in front of it. Well, we were only a few minutes away from a, uh, a tire dealer and we pulled the rig there. They changed all four tires Well, they were busy. So I actually worked out with them that I would pull the tire off the trailer. I would roll it up to them. They would put a new tire on and I would reinstall it onto the trailer because they couldn't, they couldn't have somebody do that part, but they could have somebody that had the time to be able to replace the tire on the rim. So we did all that. And then I had four brand new tires on that, that trailer. And I think we had those for about a year and then we sold the trailer. Wow. There you guys go. Making it work again. Whatever comes your way. For sure. I feel like that's our motto. <laughs> Whatever yeah. comes our way. You got to be super flexible. Yeah. Gotta be. What have you guys found that works for you to have snail mail delivered? Where's your address and how are you getting mail? So we have what's called a real street address through UPS. So our address is actually at a UPS store in Michigan where we're from. And all of our mail gets sent there. And because it's a real street address versus a P.O. box, we can actually use it on our license and everything. We've never had any trouble using that as our address. And UPS will actually forward our mailbox wherever we are. We just give them a call and they package it all up and 
they can send it to a campground or another UPS store for a fee that's based on weight. I don't know the exact, how much does it usually cost to forward our mail? So we, we get our mail forwarded about once a month or so, and it costs about 20 to 25 bucks normally to, to get that package shipped out to us. And it takes anywhere from three to five business days. So we really have to do some some planning to make sure that we know where we're going to be at when we get that mailbox sent out to us. Luckily, we utilize mostly electronic mail for most things. So the stuff that comes to our, our mailboxes, like health insurance stuff, other random like policy information things, we don't get any junk mail or anything through there. So Yeah, and I have a subscription box. I have like my FabFitFun that gets delivered there, so that's always fun. That like you can still have a subscription box while you're on the road. Yeah, and they notify you. So anytime a package outside of a regular piece of mail comes, I get an email from where from where it originated from, the size of the box, and things like that. So I know as soon as we get something outside of a a letter, like a letterhead, I know exactly when it comes, and we can plan for it that way. So it makes it easy because like I get things from my work sent out to us. Ashley gets her subscription box. And so anything that we need to get, but we don't know roughly where we're going to be at, we just have it sent there and, and they'll hold on to it. We've, I think we've had them actually hold on to two months worth of stuff for us. And they sent it out in a rather large box, but we're the only people at that store that do that. So everybody else has a mailbox there. So when we call, I get the same person that picks up and she talks to me the whole time, walks us through all the things, make sure wherever the new address that we're shipping it out to. And they're very, they're very like, accommodating for what we do. So it works out great for us. That's fantastic. That's the first I've heard of that program through the UPS and, you know, UPS stores seem to be everywhere. So it's great that they'll just send it to a different one. Yeah, for sure. It does. It, we, we stuck with the, the UPS mailbox for us because we were already Michigan residents. We had heard of other options and things like that of domiciling other places, the, the mailbox, it's the, the USA mailbox or whatever. Something. Those other ones. So we just, for convenience for us, we just stuck with the UPS mailbox. It's awesome. So that's how you deal with one type of paper. Now the real tough question, what kind of toilet paper do you use in your rig? Oh my gosh, not RV toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, we use, we use cheap stuff, but we, we actually use the Kirkland stuff now. And I think like, as long as you've given enough water, I feel like yeah. you'll be okay. So it says septic safe, but it's the Costco brand toilet paper. Yeah. And so we, we just make sure that we always give excess water, especially cause like when you're at a campground and you can dump black tank and you can do those things, like no reason to not just give a little bit of extra water in there to make sure you don't get the, the awful pyramid. Yes. <laughs> we don't, we don't want that in our life. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. We were at a campground a few weeks ago and we had a bunch of adults sitting around and we were talking about toilet paper. And so I was like, that's going to be a great question to ask because it's something that comes up a ton in Facebook groups and forums and just people don't know what the answer is, or they think that they have to buy RV specific toilet paper. And then you're paying double, triple the price. And I agree with you, Alex. I think if you've got enough water that it's, you can use anything that's septic safe. Yeah. And, and that, that Scott stuff, the, uh, the Scott brand toilet paper, I mean, it's not, it's not the most comfortable stuff, but it, (laughs) It does the job and it does the job well without creating a pyramid. So, yeah. So, you guys are flexible now with work and your travel plans. How do you decide where you're going to go in your destinations? We go wherever the wind blows us. Yeah, she's- we are not good planners. We are not those people that have campground reservations like months in advance and all of that. That ain't us. We rarely even stay at a campground. But usually what motivates us to go somewhere is either it's like 
a spot that we haven't been that we're really excited to see or we're meeting up with friends. And it's usually because we're meeting up with friends, I feel like more than anything, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And we don't, we know a rough idea of where we want to go in a rough timeline, but we don't ever set anything like definitive up until it gets closer. Just because like we've planned months out before, oh, let's, let's go here in six months. And then for whatever reason, there's a bunch of things that come up in between there that don't make that possible. So now we've just learned like, we plan out about a month, maybe, maybe that's about the furthest that we'll plan out. Yeah. And then we'll go Oh, next year in May, let's try and be here. But that's, that's the most definitive our plan is, right? There's no, we don't look up spots to go. We don't look up campgrounds. We don't do any of that. We just, let's go check this out mm-hmm. in a couple months. You know what I mean? And that's our plan. Not that we recommend that, but that's no. just what we do. <laughs> yeah. We're very free spirited people, right? Yeah. We just, we want to go wherever, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> So you said you're hardly ever at campgrounds now. So where are you staying? So we do a lot of our stay out on BLM land or the National Forest Service land because you're able to stay two weeks at a time. And each each one respectively has a different rule as far as what you need to do after those two weeks. But out west, which is where we are now, like that's just it's most of the land out here. So you're, it's very easy to find a, a place that we can just stay for a couple weeks and just really experience the whole area. As long as we have cell service, we're okay. And as long as we have enough, yeah, enough open coverage from a solar standpoint, we're okay. So the bus is fully fitted out for solar. We have 2,100 Watts up top. We have a 3000 Watt inverter on board and we can do anything that we need to wherever we're at. The only, like our, our biggest limiting factor is water, but we also have a 60 gallon water bladder that we will go and say we, we drive into town for whatever reason. We're going to get groceries. We're going to do whatever. We carry the water bladder with us at all times. So if we find a place to be able to fill that water up, we utilize that. And then we'll bring that back to the bus and things like that. And then we also have a one of the portable rhino tanks that if we need to, say, dump our tanks before we go for another drive and go like dump at through a rest area or at a truck stop or at a thousand trails because we are we're the we're members there so we can go in and dump at no cost for at those places so we just wing it and have any time that we dump is a time that we are driving the bus and we try and just that's how we decide that we're going to move like all right it's time to dump black tank where are we going now you know what i mean just because i'm curious because ours is on the smaller side what size capacity is your black tank yeah so we have a 75 gallon black tank that will last us if we if we plan for it that black tank can last us about three to four weeks now that's doing a lot of pushing it and that's a lot of like guys using the restroom outside you know when you like the the nature like hey go find a tree you know what (laughs) i mean so you don't fill it up with that that part but seeing as we can't stay most places for more than two weeks it normally lasts us that entire time now, if we have family that visit or other things like that, it fills up a lot faster. But I mean, we've been doing this for almost three years, and like our kids know, like they're very they're they're just conservative enough with water and black tank usage and our fresh water capacity that they can they can operate it very well. But then, like, if, say we have a family member come or another guest come that that don't live in an RV, the water usage goes through the roof, or the black tank fill goes through the roof because it's not that's not the normal practice for them. Yeah, there definitely is a learning curve of conserving water when you're in an RV that you have to learn. And sometimes when you have family out, it's just easier to just let it happen how it happens and then figure it out afterwards. Yep, for sure. Instead of going through like, hey, use the toilet this way or (laughs) 
only make sure you turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth and you only get it wet in the beginning. Like instead of going through that whole spiel, we just kind of like deal with the water part. And then when, when they go back to wherever, things like that, we just kind of adjust our lifestyle for that. But campgrounds, when we're at a campground, it's, it's a different story, right? Cause you can, you can dump immediately, but it's, that's really only when we're boondocking or we don't have the ability to dump our tank wherever we're currently staying. You mentioned having family come visit. Do they and they stay with you in the tr- in the bus? I'm so used to saying trailer. I almost said trailer. Yeah, actually, our couch is it folds out into a full size bed and actually has memory foam cushions. So everyone always tells us how comfy it is, and we actually sleep on it sometimes too because it's super comfy. So we have that for guests, and then yeah, people like to come stay and see the cool like weather and everything where we're at. That's awesome and such a fun way to stay connected and have your friends come and experience your lifestyle for a little bit. What other ways have you guys found to be effective in staying connected to friends and family? We do FaceTime. I'm just always like texting and like talking to my friends and family. Big thing is them coming out to visit. Pretty much Alex's whole family came out to visit last winter like in like little spurts. They'd all come out for a week at a time. So I saw my I saw my brother for a week and then I saw my sister for a week and then I saw my parents for a week. And, <laughs> yeah. and so they all come out at like different varying times. But I mean, it works out for, for all of us, right? Because in the winter, Michigan is cold, you know? So you can go on vacation, but also spend time with family because we don't want to be in the cold. So we drive the bus <laughs> right. to where it's warm. So we'll be out in California and things like that. And my friend was like, oh, you're, you're out, out over there. Can we come visit all day? 100%. Come out and visit us. Yeah. What are some of the best ways that you guys have found to meet new people on the road? So I feel like just going to a thousand trails, like especially going to thousand trails in Florida, like TTO or Peace River, you can't not meet people. Like there's families everywhere. If your kids are outside, like the kids will like, swarm over to your kids and meet your kids and the the parents are always so friendly and everybody's kind of hanging out having a good time another great way is through full-time families with the chat feature that i had mentioned earlier that there's a different facebook messenger chat for each campground or each thousand trails so that's great because someone wants to host a fire or something to get to know everybody. They can just post it in there and then that's a great way to meet people too. Yeah. And the, we find that you, you tend to be able to meet people a lot easier. You tend to be able to meet other families a lot easier in the winter time. And that's just because most families, a lot of families that we know travel South, right? So everybody wants to be in like Southern California, Arizona, or Florida. And so during the summer months, everybody's spread out all over the country. But wintertime, everybody kind of congregates to the warmth and you meet all kinds of people there. And then well, so far, every winter that we've had, we've met new people, we've met families, and we plan a couple like summertime places that we're going to they're going to meet up and see see everybody. And then that just kind of repeats on a, on a yearly basis. So I imagine roughly the same idea will happen for us this year because, I mean, it's going to get cold. Everybody's going to go to Southern <laughs> California, Arizona or Florida. You know what I mean? And you're going to be able to meet like 80% of the people that that do the full-time traveling. Yeah, we found that to be the case too of everyone goes south for the winter and that's a really good congregation point to our instances of meeting full-time families in the wild, you know, not something in a predetermined rally definitely go up in the wintertime because you're right, everyone goes down to where the weather is nicer. 
for yeah, sure. For sure. Also, like with kids, as soon as a kid is outside at a campground, I don't know what it <laughs> is about other kids, but like they all have a beacon and they know another kid is outside and they all congregate to each other. So yeah. we'll pull up to a campsite and there may be a kid outside. Our kids will go run to them or we'll pull up. Our kids will go outside and all of a sudden there'll be like 10, 15 kids outside playing, you know, and the kids are running in and out of the house. Declan's grabbing his Pokemon cards and they're trading and they're setting up shops and they're they're running to the pickleball court and these they're grabbing all their things and they're going to play pickleball for like uh, several hours. And so as soon as you pull up to a campground, it's a whole different, like it's a very close-knit community, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. And, and everybody roughly has the same like life prospects, right? They have all the same ideas. So everybody gets along, you know what I mean? Even, even kids, you'll have kids range from five to like 14, 15. And they all play like their brothers and sisters. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it is eerily cool how kids have that kid dar. They can tell yeah. when another family rolls into a campground with kids. And it's just that like magnets for sure. So traveling with kids, one of the big questions that a lot of people have before they get on the road or before they have thought processes through the whole thing is how are we going to make time for our relationship? We're in a small trailer or an RV and we're moving around a lot with not a lot of support from family or friends. How have you guys found to make sure that you create time for your relationship for the two of you, how you have intimate relationships in the, in the small space with kids around Mm -hmm. what's worked well for you. And what have you figured out to kind of make sure you give priority to Alex and Ashley as the foundation of your family? So going back to meeting friends on the road, we've met some really good close friends who have babysat for us and like we've babysat for them and had date nights. But also I think that our perspective on what makes something a date has changed since we've been on the road. Like anything can be a special time together if you make it that way. Even if it's the kids are in bed and we're going to go sit out by the fire and just talk. That can be a date. The kids are in bed and we're going to go on a little walk, you know, any, any time you're spending time together as a couple and you're making that intentional time to be together, I feel like can be a date. Don't you feel like that? For sure. And we'll just, we'll do random things, right? So like the kids will, the kids will go to bed or whatever, and it'll be a nice starry night. So we'll go throw like a blanket on top of the roof of the bus and we'll just lay underneath the stars and just We'll sit there, we'll talk about our day, we'll talk about things, and we'll just really experience the outside. As as we've been doing this more and more, we realize that like we don't need to like go out to a dinner or go out to the movies or go out to all these other things in order to really experience each other. And we just take any any minute that's really available. And like you said, living in the in, living in a small space, we're always connected. So like we're always near each other, we're talking to each other, we're complimenting each other. You know, we're doing all the lovey-dovey things, you know, embarrassing our kids, doing all those things. You know, that, that's, that's what we do. That's awesome. I love the idea of just putting that blanket up on top and going in stargaze. What has been one of the hardest parts about the lifestyle? You've been on the road for three years. You've had multiple rigs. You've had multiple adversities that you've overcome. But what has been the hardest part? Hands down when stuff breaks. I feel like that is the single most frustrating or hard part about anything. Like you're driving down the road, you have plans to be somewhere 
and all of a sudden your turbo goes out on your bus and now you're pouring out white smoke and you get pulled over because because you're producing clouds behind your bus and things like that (laughs) and that's all hypothetical that hasn't actually happened (laughs) but yeah stuff like that where you have to really overcome the situation and figure out okay what are we gonna do how are we gonna handle this but if anything, I feel like it's just made us stronger and more adaptable. I was just going to say that. So all of those things, like stuff will break. Stuff, Stuff's going to happen. It's going to be stressful. But being able to overcome that, whatever that difficultness is or whatever that circumstance ha- happened to be, it just, it really bolsters this life even more. So like your your question earlier, how long we want to stay doing this, it's, it's forever. There's times, I mean, like I've sat on the side of the side of the bus next to the tire with like my head down and I don't want to do this anymore. This is too tough. This is, this is so stressful. I don't know how we're going to make it through it. And then li- literally 24 hours, 48 hours later, the, the situation is handled. Like all of that stress goes away and it's back to being full happy with it because stressful things are going to happen. It doesn't matter if we're in a sticks and bricks or not, like just learning to be able to overcome that and overcome, overcome that men- that mental barrier is, is the best way. So it's both the hardest thing also the most growing thing that we can do not only that but like we realize that like when things go wrong we handle it and then what a couple hours later we're at the campsite with our friends around a fire and it's just another story to tell it's just another experience what a great attitude now alex you mentioned sticks and bricks is there anything you miss from sticks and bricks i've i've been asked that question a handful of times and i really can't think of one so, I mean, inside space in a house or like a garage, being able to have all, all your things makes it nice, but like it doesn't make it the the life that you get out of sticks and bricks, the life that we, I, I should say, the life that we got out of sticks and bricks is just much more rewarding on the road. So anything that, that sticks and bricks could offer, we make it better on the road. You know what I mean? It, might, it may be a, a touch more stressful, spaces may be a bit more confined and things like that, but honestly, at the at the end of the day, it's it's a much happier life that we, that we live because of it. And that's another factor for us to never, to never stop traveling. So it's nice to see new areas. It's nice being as connected as we are as a family. It's, it's nice how well connected our kids are with each other as they are with their friends. It is meeting new people. We've met more people on the road and our kids have more friends on the road than we ever did staying at our house. And we lived in Michigan in that same area for 30 years. And we had friends, don't get me wrong. We, we, we had a handful of like close friends and we had family and we had all those things and the kids had friends, but we have met 10 times the amount of people on the road and we're still friends with all of them. You know, the, the friends that you make on the road, are, I feel like become lifelong friends. You might not see them all the time. You might not be even in the same state for several years, but you get back together like you just saw each other yesterday and it's back around a campfire talking about more stories having more fun with them, experiencing whatever, wherever you're at. If you're boondocking out in the middle of Arizona and you want to go climb that mountain that you see, you look, you look at your friend like, Hey, you want to go climb that? And like, they're just as on board as you are. And then off you go, you're climbing a mountain. You know, there's just things that you can do on the road that are just not able to happen in a sticks and bricks life. So sticking with the comparing and contrasting, you found this bus that was being converted and you said it was mostly done. So it's someone else's floor plan, someone else's design. What are some things that you like about it? And what are some things that are cons about the the current rig? So my favorite thing about it is the full-size bathtub. (laughs) I think that's pretty amazing. I also, if, 
it's crazy because we had talked about, we wanted to convert our own bus. So I had the floor plan already thought up in my head and it looks identical to this. So when I saw this bus, I was like, no way. It's exactly how I would have done it. I, I wouldn't change a thing unless, would you change anything? Or I, I would change a lot of things, but not... <laughs> But not because the way it looks and the way the way everything feels is awesome. It's, it, it's not the floor plan is fantastic. All of those things. I would change some of the like more, I guess, like picky things, right? Like I would I would love to be able to have outlets located in different areas where they, than where they are now. I'd like the wiring to be done for the electrical to be done differently. Like the whole bus is wired as 120 volts. So when we bought the bus, the only way anything worked inside of it was if you were hooked up to shore power. So if you were hooked up to a post somewhere. I couldn't even turn on the lights. Whereas like an RV, right, the, the lights will work. A lot of times you have you have a water pump that'll work off your 12 volt. Your fridge will work off of like propane and things like that. This entire bus when we bought it is 100% electric and was a, was all 120 volt. So there are things like that that I would change and some other convenience things as far as like insulation, like heated floors and things like that. But I mean, I guess that's that's being real picky, but if I were to <laughs> build it, bougie. yeah, well, so if I were, if I were to build it, that's how, I, how I would lay it out. You know what I mean? Cause you'd want to, if we build it, you want to build it like you're building your dream house. You want to have all of the things. And the best part of converting a bus is it's not nearly as expensive as building your dream home. If you wanted to go and build your dream home somewhere, you're talking six figures at a minimum to be able to make that happen. Converting a bus is nowhere near that cost. And you can get all of the things that you want so you can be that picky person. You can be all of those things and get exactly what you want without having to break the bank. Wow, so you have a full-size bathtub and you still want the heated floors? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a bit bougie with that. <laughs> but we don't, we, we, we make do for now. Yeah. Oh yeah, we make do with our full-size bathtub, yes. <laughs> It sounds like you guys have definitely made all adversities, just like you talked about growing and you learn from them, from those lessons learned or any failures that you've grown from. Are there any that you'd like to share as like tips to like a prospective family that may want to be hitting the road and traveling with their family? I can think of a few different ones. I feel like the first thing would be, I don't know. I don't know anybody who their first rig that they chose was their forever rig. I feel like the RV you choose, you're probably going to find that there you want something completely different. Like our first one was a travel trailer and we like travel days in the truck did not work for us. <laughs> like everyone had to go to the bathroom at different times all the time and it just we couldn't get anywhere. It made, it made travel days stressful. And so it's one of the reasons we went with the drivable because we don't drive a lot, but it makes it so that those drive days, when they do exist, they are extremely easy. Yes. But also I would say, make sure you tour a lot of RVs, go to RV shows, go to the dealership and just imagine yourself living there, like where you're going to put things, how you're going to decorate. I feel like that's very important when choosing the right RV for you. Also, it's always hard the first year. Everything goes wrong. Everything is new. For us, we had never even stepped foot in an RV until we bought one. So we had no idea how to dump the tanks or any kind of RV maintenance or anything like that. And that was all a learning curve for us. I feel like we've grown so much since that first year. 
And it, at that time, it was like, oh my gosh, everything's going wrong. Did we make a mistake? But I promise you, it gets easier. You learn, you overcome, you adapt. A big tip, because like one of my original like thoughts going into it was socialization, right? I was like, how are the kids going to meet friends and things like that? And I feel like that's a big a big question that like gets asked a lot is like, how, how is all that going to happen? And realistically, it was a world that we just didn't know existed. Going into it, we were, it was amazing to see how like open everybody is and how many friends that you can make and how many other families do this. And they're all over the place. I mean, there's not, I don't think there's ever been a time that we went to a campground anywhere and didn't see another family there. And it may not have been packed. It may not have been like 20 families that are there, but there's always somebody else around. So being able to find that connection was a fear of ours, or at least mine starting out. And just being able to overcome that and just try the life is the reason why I feel like I, I now say that I will, I will always do this. Whereas if you asked me that question three years ago, I would tell you never, I will, I will never live on the road. But it's, it's, all, it's all perception at that point. Getting on the road and doing this life has fully changed our mindset or fully changed my mindset. That's really cool. And I'm happy to hear that it's, it's helping you change your mindset and it's evolving and that you would continue and recommend it to others. Being that you guys have been on the road for three years, do you have any stories of crazy things you've seen? Either you experienced it or you saw it or horror stories that happened to you? Okay, so Black tank story. I, I, do, I do have a horror story. Um, <laughs> and I feel like don't... Any, anybody new listening to this or anything like that, don't let this don't let this stray you from 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 doing full time life. But I'll give you the lo- the long story of it. So we we were leaving a campground, and right before we leave, I make sure we dump all the tanks and things like that. And so like we were all hooked up to the uh, the sewer hose, and I opened the black tank and went or, went around the rest of the rig and picked up all the all the other things and was packing all the stuff into our storage and getting everything situated. When I go back. And I then follow it up with the gray tank to be able to empty out the hose and make sure that it's not black, black water that sits in there. And I don't, I, for whatever reason, I'm not even paying attention to the fact that the black tank valve is still open. Okay. So I, I empty the, the, the gray tank, everything runs out. You can hear, you can hear when the water is running through the hose. And so I go finish everything else. I come back and it's done. I, also, I don't hear anything else going. I close the gray tank. I take the hose off and I put on the travel trailer that has a little outside cap that you put on for like going down the road to make sure that nothing will spill out and things like that. So I put that cap on and I didn't even look at the fact that the black tank valve is still open. I don't realize the black tank valve was open at this time. We pack all the things up. I got that little outside cap on and we drive several hours and whatever reason going down the road, the black tank apparently didn't fully empty going down the road, a couple bumps, it kind of fed it through the tube. So we pull up to a new campground and the, the, the first thing we start doing is start hooking all the things up. So I get electric hooked up, I get water hooked up, and I always hook up sewer last just because contamination, all the other things like that. So I go, I have, I have the hose out, right? And I go to where the hookup spot is and I open that cap that's on the outside and a literal waterfall <laughs> of black tank comes pouring out of that. And I was <laughs> thoroughly disgusted. Like, I, I had always tried to be because like that stuff like, disgusts me. I can't I can't deal with that. And I'm I'm standing and it's it's on my pants, it's on my shoes, and Ashley comes around the corner and she sees what's there. And of course, it's He's black tank. Standing in a puddle of our Ugh. like still even now I'm like dry heat, right? And she was like, Oh my god, what happened? I was like, I need a crap. Oh my 
gosh. I was like, I need a trash bag right now. I was like, all of these clothes, I'm throwing them away. He strips down to his underwear at a busy campground. It's one of those campgrounds where your neighbors are like on top of you. Strips down to his underwear outside. (laughs) Throw it all in the trash bag. Everything that I had, right? Go inside, I shower, and I throw that trash bag away. Don't ever touch any of those things again. And... I will that, that that moment and that like I can picture it almost perfectly of it happening is the reason why I will never do that again. <laughs> I double check and triple check that black tank valve every no. single time now because never again do I want that to happen. And then for cleanup afterwards, if anybody was wondering, it wasn't too oh. much. We just we watered everything down, had the campground come over, make sure everything was OK, told them the story. They laughed. They were OK with it. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's our horror black tank story. It was not a good time. I laugh about it now. I can talk about it cause it's great now, but at the time, nope, I wanted to throw up. I was done. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a harsh lesson to learn about black tank valve. Yep. So I'm so glad you can laugh about it now though. For sure. For sure. Note for everybody, always double check your black tank valve. Always. That should have been our advice that we said. Yeah, that's a tip for all the new people. Totally know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we need to change gears here. <laughs> What's a favorite travel memory that you have from this lifestyle? I feel like you should say. You know, I got. A, I have a lot of good memories. I'm going to say like a favorite. Honestly, like driving down the road and just seeing new areas with the kids and experiencing all that is just, it's awesome. Like being able to see like snow capped mountains is fan. It's, it's a different perspective on life. Like seeing it in a picture versus seeing it in real life is just, it's just different. And you, it's, it's crazy to think about all the things that are out there. And then like, I would say the best memory that I have is, is constant. I, like I make fantastic memories every day. Like, being able to spend as much time as we do with each other and our kids is just not something that we can get in a sticks and bricks life. I mean, I worked in automotive for 10 years. I saw my kids every day, but I saw them for a couple hours, like at dinner and things like that. And then the first year on the road, not even the first year on the road, the first six months on the road, I saw my kids more in that time frame than I did their entire life. And so like the fact that I can have that and really be able to experience and love my family and all that like that's that's the best memory that's another reason why we will forever do this is because you can't get that anywhere else at least i mean you might be able to now with remote work and things like that staying at home but being in close quarters being as close as you can to your family members is just it's heartwarming okay so i feel like if i had to pick one memory that stands out just thinking about it would probably be and it kind of like goes back to the the dates that we had. Our friends watched our kids while Alex and I did Angel's Landing. And I had done so much research. I had psyched myself out. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm not going to fall off the edge. We're going to do this. We're going to get to the top. But I was nervous about it because you hear that it's like one of the most dangerous hikes. And so to finally reach the top felt amazing it was such an accomplishment for me and to do it with Alex it was just such an amazing memory to have together and that view you can't beat that view like Zion is by far my favorite national park and it it literally brought me to tears to get to the top because 
one, just to know that I could do it, but also the view is amazing. So I feel like that would probably be like, just thinking off the top of my head, I feel like that would be my favorite travel memory. Yeah, that's really cool. Very cool. As we wind down here, we've got about three more questions, a little bit more topical. Currently, what's your favorite piece of gear? I would probably say either, for me, it's going to be either our drone or the Blackstone. And I say both those because like, so the drone, I just, I love being able to fly that thing around. It's awesome to take cool pictures and videos and be able to check out areas. And I'm a very techie person and being able to essentially fly all over the place is, is awesome. And then like I say the Blackstone just because I love cooking and that Blackstone, you can cook anything and everything on it. And I love making new recipes and trying new things out. And I don't know, I just, I, I love both those. So for me, it would have to be our nugget ice maker. It makes the good ice like from Sonic and I am addicted to eating ice. It's my favorite thing. I know it's super weird, but it makes the best ice and I'm obsessed. (laughs) I am so glad you said that because I know exactly the kind of ice that you were talking about, but I've never known what name to give it. And now I might just go be researching a nugget ice maker. (laughs) Yeah. I also like that ice. (laughs) It's amazing. Ours is by GE. It's like the GE Opal, and it was probably like the best investment ever. So several times you guys have mentioned Campendium and Free Roam. Are there any other apps that you find useful in your travels, whether it be RV-related or just travel-related, that you would recommend other people? Like We use Waze because that's cool for like avoiding traffic and stuff, and Truck Maps is actually a good GPS app. For if you have a big rig, because it'll tell you the route that you can go. It'll make sure that you don't go, that you're not going to go over a, a weight limit bridge that you probably won't be able to do. Because funny story, we took the bus down a path that Google Maps said we should take because it was the fastest way and almost got stuck in the fact that we weren't going to be able to cross bridges because we were pull, pulling up to these signs and they were like, ah, like four ton limit five ton limit. And we're like, what, what do we do? We are nowhere near this. I mean, our, our bus is 22 ton gross. And so we have to be very specific as far as where we're going to go. Height wise, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother us because we're only 11 and a half feet tall. So we are actually like smaller than most like fifth wheels and uh, like the class A diesel pushers. So we don't really worry about bridge or like height, but we do worry about weight limit on bridges and like turning ability. There's been there's been definitely a handful of times that Google Maps or Apple Maps has tried to take us somewhere that I 100% could not get the bus to go down. <laughs> and so like we've learned from that. Now every time we do a travel day, we will take a very detailed look at every part of the map that it's telling us to go because we just we just don't 100% trust our, our GPS. No matter what we use, yeah. Truck Maps does a really good job. They all do they all have their benefit, but Never fully rely on one single app. Very good advice. I that is a heavy, heavy RV. I don't know. Yeah, so our- she's a big girl. We lovingly refer to our bus as Bertha, Big Bertha, because <laughs> she she is a beast. So yeah. that that twenty two tons is what our gross is. So we can hold. <laughs> we, we can have forty four thousand pounds total, but that's not what we sit at weight wise. So we have we have a ton of like things in our storage and. The bus is essentially mostly cleared out. And we have like high grade building materials in here that utilize all that stuff. But this bus was originally built to transport, I think it was 63 
full-grown adults and all of their cargo. And so this bus sitting as a shell is not very heavy. I would, I would say probably around the 30 to 32,000 roughly or so. That means that with the bus empty, we can fit about six tons worth of stuff. So about 12,000 pounds. And we don't have anywhere near that. Now, we don't have an official way that we have double checked this with. But I mean, I, I, I know I know for a fact that we aren't anywhere near that 44,000. If I had to give you a good solid guess, I'd say probably about 38 to 39K yeah. right now. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, Alex and Ashley, we really appreciate you jumping on a call and making it work to get on here and and talk about your traveling lifestyle with us. Go ahead and give the listeners the information on where they can connect with you online to, you know, just connect and ask them questions and, and check out the things that you guys are doing. For sure. And we're happy to be here. I'm glad that we were able to do this. You can find us on Instagram at we.r.the.wanderlusters. And then we're on TikTok as The Wanderlusters and also on Facebook as The Wanderlusters. And feel free to ask us absolutely anything. We're an open book. Like, we'll answer all your questions. So, yeah. Yeah. And we'd love to, we'd love to get other people on the road. So yeah. Anything that's out there because, I mean, like we've talked about before, there, my mindset several years ago was something completely different. And if we can open up the mindset of somebody else to experience the happiness that we can experience, we would love to do that. Awesome. Again, thanks for being on with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's been great. We hope you found the interview insightful and encourage you to join us on the next episode of Traveling Families. If you want to connect with the traveling community, please head over to travelingfamilies.co to find links to the Facebook group and all of our social media platforms. Check out the show notes for all the guest links. And if you're interested in seeing what gear other traveling families recommend, we add these items to our Amazon storefront after each episode. Until next time. Whether for a day or a lifetime. Get out there and travel with your family.